welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. So we're continuing our discussion from last time. This this episode, we're focusing on Amazon and Walmart, both having electric delivery vehicle news. Joe, can you take us away? <laughs> sure. So this was really interesting. A couple of weeks ago, Walmart put in an order for several thousand of Canoe's little electric vans. And I say little, they're actually quite large, but they're, they're, they're designed and styled in such a way to make them look kind of small. And they do that by having large wheels, large headlights, and visually, when there's not a human sitting next to it, it looks smaller than it is. The, the Hyundai Ionic 5 does the same thing. But that move was really interesting because the way that they bought those vehicles was not a straight cash purchase. It was effectively a stock swap. And what that did was it enabled Volkswagen, or I'm sorry, it enabled Walmart to have this massive stock option to buy 61 million shares at a preset price of Canoe. And then as soon as they did that, there was this order in the news for 4,500 canoes, up to 10,000 more were going to be part of Walmart's you know, last mile delivery solution. The stock went through the roof. So of course, it's a no brainer now for Walmart to buy it. Through Walmart's connections, Canoe got a military supplier contract. They're going to be able to submit bids to develop a platform for the U.S. Army. And they're also now developing a program for NASA transporters, which again, very small in terms of production numbers, but very big in terms of PR and driving the stock price. This is something that it, you look at it as a, as a sort of statement of intent where Walmart is looking at Amazon and basically saying, we can do that too. You are building your own delivery van so that you are no longer subject to the whims of the manufacturers and the supply contracts and the fleet management leases. You're bringing all that in-house with an EV manufacturer to make your fancy vans. We're gonna do that too. Oh, you're getting great PR and publicity from developing an electric last mile delivery solution. We're gonna get that too. And this really does seem to be a direct challenge from Walmart, a statement of intent to say, we are going to come after Amazon and we are big and bad and we are going to do this and we have our billion customers and Amazon is, is going to be in for a fight. And I think if anybody out there remembers what Walmart really did to stores like Sears and JCPenney's and, you know, Belk and Macy's, like, I, I think Amazon, not only Amazon is going to be in for a fight, but I think the fallout of a real manufacturing car business war between Amazon and Walmart, I think they're going to take a couple of other manufacturers down with them. I think, you know, this is probably bad news for somebody like Mazda or Toyota. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also on the call with us, Steve Hanley, you can chime in here in a second. I will just. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> it's weird. When you do a single podcast. It's two episodes. And I, I was like, oh, I didn't really introduce Steve there. Well, but, but you know, everybody should have listened to the last episode anyway. But yeah, I would. You just... didn't listen to the last episode. We were brilliant. We were entertaining and engaging. Go now. Unbeatable until this one, which will be better. But the only thing that came to mind there, aside from just being impressed with your level of knowledge and insight into this, Joe, was that, you know, a lot of people sort of saw 
Walmart as having a death sentence when Amazon started getting big enough. They're like, oh, well, it's only a matter of time for Walmart dies too. Like, every, you know, you drive around Florida or a lot of places and there's a lot of shopping centers that look like they're from a zombie apocalypse. It's just, you know, Amazon destroyed retail shopping centers. But Walmart has adapted. They have online shopping now. I'm sure they deliver just like Amazon, you know, Target, they all they've all adapted. So I think they probably adapted enough that they're that they're fine. But I think this sort of highlights how they have shifted to a kind of quick adaptation and kind of, you know, sometimes follow the leader of Amazon model where they, they realize, hey, we need to stay on top of the future of, of tech, and we need to be be there. So and that's what came to mind Lis- listening to you. Steve, do you have other thoughts? My first thought is I was surprised by all this because I was one of those people who thought that Amazon had a real good shot of putting Walmart out of business. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I also, I mean, I, I believe the, your, you know, the the, the theory. I mean, yeah, Am- but I mean, it Amazon looks is- crazy, right? They did a hundred and thirty billion dollars or something stupid like that. Like that's an insane amount of money that they're doing. I don't know how much of that is online or not, but I mean, just just looking at the numbers for Amazon's total sales, it's just massive. It is. It's a, it's unbelievable in in the literal sense. The difference in with Walmart is they have I don't I don't have the numbers correct, but I think they say they have a store within 15 miles of 90% of all Americans. So they have a base of what we used to call brick and mortar stores that Amazon does not have. Amazon has their fulfillment centers and that seems to be working very well for Amazon. Walmart, I suspect is maybe going to be a little bit more into the fresh food, get it to your door within an hour kind of thing. Uh, That's just a guess on my part. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm in Chicago and we do have brick and mortar Amazon stores. I didn't know there were such things. What? <laughs> what? Wait, are you guys not familiar with this? You no. guys, are you like in some kind of weird third world, huh? horrible place? Oh yeah, Florida. Yeah, we we live. Oh there. gosh, yeah. No, you guys are like in the Stone Age. Well, here in the United States, we have Amazon Go, which is a, like a brick and mortar retail business, and you go in with your phone, and some of the Amazon stores have like Amazon bestsellers, right? So when you see on the website, it'll say Amazon's Choice. You can walk into Amazon's Choice, and there's one in uh, Brookfield, and they have you know the best-selling books and the best-selling kitchen thing and the best-selling kind of tech stuff. So it's like a little mini Best Buy, and you can go in there and and if you like something, you pick it up and and you buy it. And then they also have the uh, Amazon Fresh and Amazon Go, which are essentially grocery stores where you can walk in, you fill up your your bag or whatever with the groceries and there's no checkout. As you're filling everything in, your phone is like keeping track of it. And when you walk out, it just charges your Amazon Prime account with everything that you walked out with. Well, I will just put out there because I don't do most of the shopping. So if I'm incorrect and my wife knows about an Amazon store in the area, apologies for being ignorant, but, but I'm pretty sure we don't have... <laughs> We don't have anything like that around as far as I'm aware, but, <laughs> but we do, I would just say, you know, she, again, she does the shopping, but I would say we, she, we do a lot on, we do a lot at Target and a lot on Amazon. I don't know what's more, but I would guess Target. So even though 
you know, Amazon, you, you go there for, oh, for something you can't find or for a low price, but still a lot of shopping is done at these brick and mortar stores. And yeah. most people go to, you know, to Walmart, yeah. I think more it than, looks than like Target. There but... are no, it looks like there are no Amazon stores, physical locations in Florida, California, Illinois, New York, Maryland, PA, Virginia, Washington State, DC, and New Jersey. Oh, the advanced and, and the US. majority, yeah, the majority of them are in Illinois. So this is like if if the US was split in half, I would be I would be fleeing to one of those areas. Well, you'd be in you'd be in Walmartistan, and I guess I'd be in uh, Amazonia. There's a good chance of that happening in November. <laughs> There's a good chance of that happening in November. <laughs> if you don't laugh, you cry, right? Holy jeepers. Or if you're Steve Bannon, you're licking your lips. Like, I'll be out of jail. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was just surprised at the whole thing because, A, I bought some canoe stock when it first came out, and uh, that didn't go too well. Uh, <laughs> you need a time machine. Go back to July 11th. Yeah. Buy a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> and then their, their head of production or, or one of their head guys left, uh, and it just seemed like they were right there with Faraday future, just boring a hole into the ground and disappearing. And then, <laughs> then suddenly, uh, you know, Walmart comes along and says, Hey, we're going to buy 4,500 of your electric vans. And I think that's great. I've, I've written a number of articles about canoe. I, uh, I think that they're forward thinking and then they have groundbreaking ideas and uh, good for them. I, I love the idea of the top hat where you've got a platform and you can put anything on it. You want it's, it's the Joe Boris thing. You can have a, a minivan today, or you can have a two seater sports car tomorrow and it's all the same vehicle. Uh, with just, you just put a different body on it and away you go. So I, I'm, this is very much a, a surprise to me and uh, probably a lot of other people too, that, that canoe is, uh, has found a, a, a benefactor. Uh, the one thing that, uh, that kind of amuses me is that as part of the deal, they have to set up a new manufacturing site in Bentonville, Arkansas, which just happens to be the hometown of Walmart. Yeah, no, I, it's always been an intriguing startup. Like you said, there's a lot that come and go. So you're sort of like, well, let's wait and see if they produce anything. But it was one of the ones that was like, oh, let's watch this company. This might really do something. The one of the most interesting things about it to me was that the the design that they were showing off looked very much like a Toyota design, like all-purpose kind of vehicle, interchangeable vehicle that, that Toyota, you know, sort of showed off at some point as well. I forget what the name of that is, but that comes to mind, especially because Mojo Joe Boris here is talking about this might come at the cost of a Mazda or Toyota. So, Joe, you want to talk more about what you think about that? Yeah, you know, it is interesting. It does have that like Toyota Previa or that, you know, Toyota MPV vibe from from the 80s and early 90s. The canoe does, especially. I don't know. I guess I just don't think this is it for either one of them. Like, I think that Amazon is going to build, you know, through Rivian. Obviously, that's that's the company that Amazon's kind of backing. I think they're going to build X number of electric vehicles for themselves and then other companies are going to either buy them used once Amazon decides that they're done, they've lived out their life cycle, or they've, you know, they've, uh, they've written them down as far as they can tax-wise, so they need to lease another one to, to start writing that down. I think that that'll be interesting. So that's going to be something that, that 
pushes them to buy new ones and unload these. So whoever, some they are going to get into the secondary market. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they, especially Canoe, starts building a you know quote unquote civilian pickup truck. Is that going to compete with the F-150? Is that going to compete with the Silverado? I don't think so, but I think someone who is buying a a Toyota Tundra pickup truck or a Nissan Titan pickup truck, I think those are vulnerable buyers. I think that is someone who could just as easily buy a Rivian, where I think the Ford people, the Chevy people, they're kind of entrenched. They're very brand loyal. So I think that, you know, for Canoe and Rivian to grow, they're going to be going after those markets. They're going to be going after that Honda Ridgeline buyer. And I think they're going to be pretty successful if they have a product that is seen as different, that is seen as a little easier to use, a little more high tech. So yeah, I I, I think that that's a very valid thing to say. And, and I think that it is going to go that way. And we're going to start to see some of the uh, automotive minnows you know, and, and when I say a brand, I mean a brand like Camry, not a brand like Toyota. But you're going to start to see, I think, some of those smaller, smaller brands, more vulnerable brands start to get eaten up by these startups. Yeah, well, we'll come back to Rivian in a second. But I looked up the name and what I found was a 2008, 2018 article four years ago by Steve Hanley. Uh, nice. about the, <laughs> about was the he tw- alive back then? <laughs> About the Toyota e-palette, which first of all, the name is hilarious. I mean, it's like a palette, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Toyota e-palette and right there in the intro excerpt, Steve writes, companies like Amazon, Didi, Shuzing, Shuzing, and Uber say they want in on the project. So I think that's a, that's an interesting little, you know, combo of events there. But since Steve, you wrote that article, maybe you remember that, that vehicle, I don't remember any article I've ever written. As soon as it gets submitted for publication, it gets erased from my memory banks. I, I know totally, but the but I think the thing that helped me remember this was they had these pictures of all these different versions of it. Like one has pizza like plastered along the side. Oh, one, I remember that. Yeah. One logistics. Yeah, the pizza one stand. And for different uses, you have different like things pictured on the on the, the the virtual drawing whatever so um yeah i don't know if you have any final thoughts on that since it was your <laughs> your story maybe you have more that you remember or think about that and then we'll jump to the topic of rivian and amazon which is sort of complicated actually lately well it's, it's all i can say is that, that was several years ago and i haven't written another story about it since so i'm thinking it's not going anywhere yeah it doesn't seem to be yeah well i i think well i don't know uh, yeah Okay, so on the topic of Rivian and Amazon, uh, one, you know, Rivian has sort of taken, I mean, a hit. I mean, initially, there was a lot of big PR for Rivian when Amazon, you know, came in and it was like, oh, definitely Rivian's going to scale up huge um, because of this. And then there was more of a, like, they they disconnected a bit. There was more of a, like, oh, Rivian's doing its thing on its own here. And, you know, Amazon's on the side here. I don't, it's unclear, like Rivian is now finally producing vehicles, but it's unclear what challenges it's really faced and how well it's, it's faced them and what that means for its relationship with Amazon. I don't know if any of you have been following closely enough that you want to chime in with some, some of your thoughts on that. Well, Rivian says they're going to build a $5 billion factory in Georgia. And I'm frankly, I'm not sure where they're getting the money from or who's backing them. Um, and I, they're having trouble getting a couple thousand vehicles out the door. It, it 
uh, I wish them luck, but uh, they seem to be. But it reminds me of uh, Tesla about eight years ago when when uh, they were trying to ramp up production mm-hmm. and just and just finding it incredibly difficult. And uh, Tesla powered through. I'm not sure Rivian's gonna. Well, let me let me. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna speak a little bit differently to that. When Tesla was starting out, they had investment and they had quite a bit of investment and money from Toyota and from Mercedes Benz, and it wasn't like hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, but it was it was several million dollars. It was a big part of their initial uh, cash flow and 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 what gave them a lot of their runway was investment from these major OEMs, and they stayed with. Tesla for a long time. It wasn't until several years later that Mercedes sold its stake in Tesla, right? I mean, the Model S, the Model 3 were, were still going when that happened. But this was a little bit different. When you look at Ford, which was the major player, the major automotive player to invest in Rivian, Ford had they had advisors in the factory. They had engineers and product people working with Rivian to develop a Lincoln SUV. And whatever it was that they saw when it came time to like, is Rivian going to develop this car for us? Are they going to be able to deliver a platform? Whatever it was that they saw behind the curtain at Rivian, the instant it was legally acceptable for them to cut ties and sell their shares they cut ties and sold their shares they very publicly said look we are not going to go forward with our lincoln-based ev built by rivian it's not going to happen and they said that before they sold their stock like they didn't even wait until after they sold they were so desperate to pull out of that rivian deal so i mean you know, as, as Ed Niedermeyer once said, right, building cars is hard. Ford knows how to build cars. They took a really low, good, long look at Rivian and said, no, thank you. So that if I was, uh, if my income was dependent on Rivian, I'd be scared by that. Well, I was just going to say that there are rumors that uh, Rivian is working on smaller electric vehicles and plans to have a whole range of uh, EVs, mostly trucks, but maybe SUVs. Who knows what they're going to do? Oh, but that's not a rumor. I've seen that thing. Okay. Rivian originally started in, was founded in Florida in 2008, and they were never going to build a pickup truck. They were going to build a sporty electric hatchback that was going to be sort of like the old BMW Z3, the shoebox version, you know, the, the clown shoe, they were going to build a sporty car. It looked very much like a Volvo C30. You can search for that on the internet, Rivian Coupe and RAJ Scarange. And it wasn't until they took in a lot of investor money and their advisory board started pushing them to go after the big meaty part of the car market, which was pickup trucks and delivery vehicles and fleet vehicles. It wasn't until that happened that the focus went from this sporty two-door coupe into this you know, space that we know Rivian as now as the electric pickup truck. But the intention has always been there to build this sporty coupe. That's what RJ Scarinch has been about since day one. And a lot of people don't even know about that. Like they, they're, they're totally unfamiliar with the history. And kind of the only reason I know about it is I was right down the road, you know, building concept cars. So I, I knew about this thing. I laid hands on it. 
yeah, I'm pretty sure I've never run across that that origin. So I w- on on the Rivian, you know, scaling up front, you know, I think it is a really good sign that Amazon is actually, you know, s- starting to to get Rivian delivery vehicles out there. I I mean the the Ford history is a big, you know, red, red flag or or at least yellow flag. On the other hand, you know, Ford changed a lot. They went from, oh, we're not that serious about EVs. We're going to wait to setting up their team Edison, which created the Mustang Mach-E. Then, you know, they got the Ford F-150 Lightning. Very good, serious efforts. So maybe they decided, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to outsource this. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, partner and, and put all our eggs in in these people's basket. We're going to do it ourselves. And so maybe that was it, but I mean, clearly, when when they pulled out, that was a, a not a great sign. And then you know, Amazon also getting vehicles from from others. But the good news is that they are now. You know, they have Rivian trucks out there. Someone I know locally has seen one here already, and they have Amazon delivery vehicles starting. That's I think that's it for me. I mean, I, the the only thing that surprises me, I guess, is how long it's taken for delivery vehicles to get electrified. Since there's just there's so much potential savings from electrifying them, especially if you can set up some decent hubs for charging. This oh. is actually a really good time to bring this up, and we can talk about this in a, in an episode of Dealer Digest. I really want to do another one. So a lot of that has to do with the reason that leases are so popular within fleets, and it's it's a tax thing. Because you can amortize, you can write down a certain value of the purchase of a vehicle every year. But once you've written it down to zero, you can no longer expense part of it. So it actually goes against the interests of the company. It actually costs them money to keep operating an older vehicle. So there is this push to ramp out a new product, to buy a new van every two or three years. And because you're essentially forced by the tax law, to get out of your vehicle and get into a new one every 36 or 48 months, they don't want to have to buy all new toolboxes, all new, you know, ladders, all new gear, all new racks to fit in the vehicles. So there's been that legacy of taking, you know, the, the GMC 1500, you know, pickup van or, or, or delivery van that's been body on frame to keep using it year after year, generation after generation, because these electrical companies and plumbing companies just take their racks out of the old ones and put them into the new ones and everything fits. So that's been a real big challenge. And that's been the biggest holdup is this idea that you can kind of manipulate the tax law to get ahead by constantly leasing the same thing. So now when the rules change and allow you to write down, to more aggressively write down aftermarket equipment and upfitted equipment like those racks and interior pieces and trim pieces that go into making these vehicles productive for these, you know, aftermarket companies and forestry services and municipalities. Now that they're able to write down that equipment the same way they've been able to write down those vehicles, you're starting to see this explosion of new body types coming out to the fleet market because it now they are now incentivized to get rid of that old equipment and start buying new equipment and new upfitting and new racks and things like that. So this is actually a really big driver and an instance of where good policy writing and, and good you know uh, governmental policy can affect change much more quickly than we give it credit for because a lot of people who aren't in that world don't even understand that that's a consideration yes very good stuff (laughs) 
I, <laughs> I mean, my, my final thoughts on this, I think, unless someone triggers a lot, some big ones, is that, you know, Amazon is not known for being the most worker-friendly place, paying the greatest wages. Uh, it's got plenty of issues, but Amazon has all has been one of the one of the, I think, strongest and quickest to to get renewable energy and to procure it, not just buy credits, and to really try to green what it's doing. In some ways, we still get a lot of boxes that are, you know. Um, seem excessive, but I think there is a kind of a, a desire to be quick with electrifying, and that they're not doing it quicker is partly that it's harder than it seems, and you know having the right you know suppliers and all that, and probably I think they looked at Rivian at some point like Ford and were like, well, this is not working as as well or as quickly as we hoped, but you know we'll get there eventually, and we'll you know when we do we'll we'll ramp up. So I think. You know, I'm still hopeful about this partnership. I think, I mean, there's no better player for Rivian to partner with. So I think it should be able to stay alive. It's, we've seen Faraday Future crash and burn, Bit, Bitome, many others. Uh, and we don't really have, we just have Tesla as an example and some Chinese startups to, of, of surviving and getting through, you know, production ramps. But I think Rivian, I still feel hopeful that they're on the path to that. And with, Amazon will will do what it, it can to make that a big in-house uh, part of their deliveries de- delivery vehicles. Steve, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, just a little tidbit that uh, my wife came across when she was doing an article on Rivian was that uh, RJ is from the, uh, the part of Florida where the Indian River Lagoon is and the word Rivian and the Indian River Lagoon, uh, there's a connection there in his mind. Yeah, accurate. That's interesting. Uh, Joe, any final thoughts on Amazon and Canoe as well? I think this is so much more significant than, than we, the three of us, have the capability of dissecting. I really, really think that there is something bigger going on in the shift to electrification and companies like Amazon and Walmart that have existing contracts and have manufacturing and have their own shipping and logistics and are not at the mercy of the ports in LA and Houston and Seattle. I think they smell blood in the water in the traditional legacy automotive space. And I think this is just the first shot in a big, big war. And Lord Bezos is going to uh, be taking a lot of lunches home that once belonged to Ford and General Motors. And, you know, I, you know, it's we've we've talked about the the critical nature of battery minerals, and you know when we've talked when I've talked to battery mineral experts too, they they pointed out like if you have a big company that can secure good financing to set up mines, you know that's something that mining companies often can't do. So, you know, he's talked about how automakers could play that role. People I've talked to have talked about that, and you know I've been waiting to see more of that from big automakers or Tesla. But this is, again, something that Amazon or Walmart could step in and do and be like, okay, we want this many vehicles. We understand we need the batteries for that. We understand we need mines for that. We're going to help finance or, you know, basically get the, you know, use our weight to get low cost financing for for these mines or processing facilities. Then they would have a more secure, more, you know, predictable, secure uh, supply coming, you know, that they can forecast for, that they can plan all of their stuff around. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be, I would be. I mean, it's not, there's no rumor of it. There's no, you know, but I think, you know, when you talk about bigger stuff happening, you know, that's the kind of thing you might 
you might see come out at some point, but but who knows? Yeah, agree completely. All right, that's it for Clean Tech Talk and another episode of our new. I think it's, I forget the name. Clean round. Clean table. tech round table. Clean tech. Well, we 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 created a term. We anyway. Yeah, it's our clean tech talk round table. Clean round table. Clean tech round table. It's uh, our round clean table. We have a round table. We're all a little round on the middle and we talk a lot. So here's our show. Thank you. And we, we should have other people joining as well who have been you know invited to be a part of this round table. But you know, as as it goes so far, Steve, Joe, and I kicking it off, and we'll have more on our you know round table with empty chairs. I, I think it's Steve is so good though. What's that? Steve Those is other- so good though. Steve's such oh, yeah. a beauty. Those yes. other people probably have real jobs. <laughs> no, no, they're all like us. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Thank, we're thank we're you done guys. here. <laughs> we're, Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. It's editor's discretion. What gets cut here? <laughs> Leave as much of this last part as possible. I agree. I'm always a fan of this. This the after talk. All right, guys. Enjoy <laughs> your day. I'm off for some more coffee and and writing and editing. Cheers. Peace be with you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.